sticks. Now, as we start heading that direction, you know, I believe this, that at times in our lives, every one of us need to be awakened, to even have something to, to jolt our souls, to jumpstart us spiritually. And in James 4, verse 8, uh, it says that draw near to God and God will draw near to you. And so there's an invitation right here that if I'll draw near to God, God will draw near to me. And so how do we draw near to God? I believe you can, you can get into His presence on a daily basis by praying, study His Word, just praise and worship God. But also, I'm going to talk about something else today called fasting. And we like to start the year around here with, with fasting. And so it does something, and, and I believe this many times, so-called believers and Christians, we've never given the subject of fasting any real serious thought. Many believers think that it's not relevant anymore, that that was an Old Testament deal. Well, let's see what the New Testament says to start today, and let's see what Jesus himself had to say about this. Now think about this, here's the definition of a fast. To deny oneself of the things of his appetite or anything that would cause me to, to not be able to communicate with God like he desires me. And so most of the time we look at fasting just as fasting food. Sometimes it's, it's things. TV. Oh dear Lord, we can't fast TV. But I'm just going to help us today understand some things and we want to give you a biblical foundation of this because I'm going to tell you right now, I believe it's very important that each one of us in here learn to fast and you say, Pastor, I've never done that before. That's why we're going to give you biblical information today. That doesn't mean you got to fast for 40 days. Some of you do well going without a, a candy bar at break. Thank you. Matthew chapter 6. This is, this is the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus Begin with me in verse number 1. And notice this is Jesus' words. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds, your giving, before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do it a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, if you'll notice right there, he gets over to giving. The first thing I want you to point out in that passage there is he said, when you give. He didn't say if. The second thing is, he said, is don't do it as unto men. Same chapter, begin with me in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues. And on the corner of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. Now, this was the second thing. He gets over and he says, when you pray, not if you pray. And once again, it comes down to my motive. Don't do it to be seen by men. Same chapter, verse number 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward, but you, when you fast, anoint your head, 
Wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, we can go back and look. The three subject matters that he deals with was giving, praying, and fasting. If you'll notice in each one of those, it almost sounds the same. He didn't say if you give, if you pray, or if you fast. He said when. So when I read this, Jesus is showing me right here that this really wasn't optional. I think a lot of times as believers, we, we take this as, well, I can take it or I can leave it. And another thing I want you to see in here, this wasn't meant to be done by just a few people. I believe Jesus was telling every one of us how vital these three things are in our lives. To give, to pray, but also to fast. And so when you begin to look at what he says, fasting isn't for today. I believe it is. But many times we get hung up and our thinking is because it's ruled by this self-centered principle. What am I going to get out of it? What is it going to do for me? I'm going to tell you right now, I believe there's times we need to do things for the kingdom of God here on the earth. Now, I'm not suggesting that God's not going to bless you and something good's not going to happen to you when you fast, but it's got to be more than just me. There's got to be some things that we begin to look, not only for our church, but what about our society? I look at America right now, guys. And I'm telling you, our nation is in a mess spiritually. If you look statistically at 20-year-olds, they're the least that have ever served God in the history. More and more of them are falling away. We can look at the things that are going on, the killings like we saw a few weeks. They're becoming more and more normal. You see all the different things that are, are happening. Now go with me to the book of Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, and so sometimes we've got to ask ourselves this. What do I get out of it? Well, I can tell you right now, you're going to become more Christ-like than self-like. I believe that God wants to do some things with each one of us. But once again, when we look back at the things Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, there may be a right act, but it may be robbed of all its values when it's done with the wrong motive. And the wrong motive was when I want to be seen by people. When I want all of you to notice how great I am. See, that's the wrong motive. i got to come into this. And I know people that when they begin to fast, you'd never even know it. They'll fast and they'll do it and say, Father God, I want to seek you. I want to hunger for these things. Now, here in Luke chapter 18, I want, to, I want you to see another warning from Jesus. Start with me in verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. One high status, the other one was literally despised in those days. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. It shows me right here, this Pharisee, guys, his underlying motives weren't very good because he slaps other people. Whether it's adulterers, whether it's the tax collectors, and one thing every one of us must remember is this. God created every one of us. 
the very person that you're sitting by right now, God created them. And they may not be important to you, but they're important to Him. Now look what goes on in the next verse, verse number 12. This is the Pharisee, the religious. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, when you look at this, this was his credentials. He's letting everybody know, I fast twice a week, which for the Jews was customary that they would fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. But because of that, he made himself appear that I'm just a little bit more important than everybody else. I tithe. Now, you can look at what Jesus said back in Matthew 6. He said, when you give and when you fast. Those are things that we should do. But once again, if I do them with the wrong motive, the wrong heart, I'm going to tell you, there's not going to be a blessing in it. Things aren't going to happen like we want. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. Now, look how this ends. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I believe when we enter a fast, guys, there must be a, a heart that's humble. He said, Father God, I've got to come into your presence. I need more of you. I need more of the things of God. Now go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 58. And I'm going to tell you right now, the next few weeks, this will be one of our main topics of Scripture, Isaiah 58. Now I encourage you, in your own time of reading, read this. Isaiah 58, Isaiah 59, Isaiah chapter 60. This will give you great biblical insight of the reason we need to fast. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, if some of you are needing a breakthrough, this is a great way to start the year. And the next coming weeks, guys, I'm going to give you all different types of fasts there are. You know, the ultimate is 40 days. I realize most people can't do that. Some will go 21 days. Some there's called a Daniel fast. All you eat is fruits and vegetables. You know what that means? No sweets or no bread. Well, pastor, I can do that. That's easy. If you've never done that, don't kid yourself. That means just water. No coffee, pastor. Where I begin to, man, I'm going to tell you right now, I begin to crave God more than those things. Sometimes you can go on a, on, a, on a sunrise to sunset fast where you begin to seek God on these days. All this is found in the book of Daniel, that they would go on a 10-day fast, that they would go on a three-day. But I encourage you, do something. I had a young guy say to me one time, I'm going to go on a 21-day fast. I said, have you ever fasted before? He said, no, but it'll be easy. And I thought, yeah, it'll be easy until tomorrow morning. What am I telling you? Just do something from your heart, okay? Whether it's missing a meal and some of you say, I can't miss a meal. Well, it wouldn't hurt some of you to miss a meal. Maybe two, maybe three, and I didn't point at any names or anybody, okay? But I think this is very important because I want to give you biblical foundation, the, the importance of starting this year with this. Isaiah 58. If you'll notice the subtitle above that, it says, Fasting that pleases God. 
Now read with me here. Verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Now as human beings, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, we don't like to be told of our transgressions of our, or our sins. Every one of us in here, we don't like that. But I believe the thing that separates us from Father God is when we live with sin and transgression and too much of the church now, we don't want to deal with sin. We want to pat everybody on the back and say, you know what, if it feels good, do it. That's what grace is for. That's not what grace is for. And he tells us immediately, one of the things we got to deal with is sin. Verse 2, yet they seek me daily. They pretend to seek him daily. And they delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Now all this that he's talking about here, this was visibly or externally. In other words, they did everything mechanically. But there was nothing there of their heart. Verse 3, listen to what they say. Why have we fasted, they say, and if you've not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? Now, look at the response given back to this. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. Your own pleasure. And I believe he was talking about here their self-seeking and their self-interest. In other words, they fasted, they did certain things, but it wasn't with the right motives. It wasn't with the right heart. Keep reading. And they exploit all your labors. Indeed, you fast for strife and you debate. And to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. So you know what he's telling them? The way you fasted here, your voice will not be heard on high because it was all mechanical. It was all an outward appearance. Verse 5, listen to this. Is it a fast that I've chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? You know what he's telling them here again? It's all mechanical, guys. It's all an outward show. It's all an outward appearance. And look how he ends in this verse. Would you call this a fast? An acceptable day to the Lord? And so this is what I want to get into here just for a little bit more this morning. Verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, guys. These are incredible verses that tell the things that a fast will do. That it'll open up some things. I'm not going to talk much about that today. That's in the next coming weeks. But in this same chapter, go with me to the book, uh, uh, the verse 11. Same chapter, verse 11. Now, this is after you fast with the right motive. Now, listen to what it says. And the Lord will guide you continually. I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to guide me continually in 2013. I want this. Now, this is what happens. He goes on to say, and satisfy your soul in drought. How many of you have ever felt like, man, on the inside of me, I'm dry. 
I have no life. I've been there before. I don't want that. And, and this is what part of the fast will break loose on the inside of you. And strengthening your bones. You shall be like a watered garden. You think about a watered garden. You know what a watered garden is? It's life. A watered garden, I mean all the plants are green. There's blossoms on them. There's tomatoes. There's green. He's saying this about me and you. You shall be like a watered garden. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you, you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. Now, when I read that, the fast breaks forth something in many generations. If you look out here today, there's a lot of generations that are represented here. Something happens, guys, when we begin to fast and pray and seek God. It releases something. And he said, the foundations of many generations. See, guys, each one of us, we could live selfish. We could live for ourselves. And you know what I could say? When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I made it, but on the rest of you. I don't want that, guys. It bothers me on the inside when I see the statistics of how many 20-year-olds believe church that believe God is relevant to this day. You hear more and more, we don't need God. I don't know about you, I don't want my kids and my grandkids growing up without knowing the things of God. And so this is part, I believe this is going to unleash some things, and it won't just be in this church. There's churches all over America, guys, that will start this year with a fast. And you may say, well, I'm just me, little old me, what can I do? Once again, I go back to what Jesus said. He's always looking for the one that will fast, the one that will pray, the one that will say, I'm going to stand in the gap. I look at this and ask yourself this question. How many of you have family members, children, Cousins, siblings, aunts, uncles that aren't serving God. It bothers me to think that they could go to hell. I don't know if that doesn't bother you. It bothers me. And when I look at these things, it stirs me up to say, okay. Look what he goes on to say at the last part of verse 12. And you shall be called the repair of the breach, the restore of streets, to dwell in. One translation says you will be a restorer of life. I like to think that. That I can change some of the eternal destinations for family members. If I'll just begin to fast and pray. Now I wish I could tell you what happens in the spirit realm when I fast. I don't know. I just know that when I do it. Something begins to take place inside of me. That only happens by fasting. I don't want you to think, guys, I've fasted all my life because I haven't. I haven't done it. I've never been on a 40-day fast. But I do realize I've got to start doing something. Whether it's three days, whether it's a week, whether whatever. I can't keep sitting back and thinking, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. See, if I have that mentality, guys, it's not good. Now... Look at, at chapter 59. 
And I want you to look above that, that chapter there, what the subtitle it says. It says, separated from God. Verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. See, you know what this challenges me? When I read that right there, God still saves. And God still hears. But I believe this is the challenge to me and you. Verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does anyone plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and they bring forth iniquity. And so right here, you know what the Lord's saying? Let's raise our standards. Let's me and you raise our standards. Now, I'm going to skip just a little bit. Go to the last part of verse 6. And it says, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. And when I read this, you know what I begin to see? I think back just a few weeks ago to what happened in Connecticut. And if you'll look there, it said, and their act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to, to evil to make haste to shed innocent blood. We're seeing things, guys. Over and over and over in our society. And to some people it brings a fear. I think to me it's a challenge to say, you know what, we can sit back and this stuff's going to keep happening. Or I can begin to pray and at times we look and we say, I don't understand why this is happening. Can I tell you why it's happening? Because if you think back how many years ago we kicked God out of our schools. And we kick God out of our, our courthouses. And it's happening more and more that you don't mention Jesus. How many of us this year heard people say, happy holidays? We're not going to talk about Jesus, but we'll sure talk about sin. We'll sure talk about what I want. And so we wonder why it's happening. I can tell you why it's happening. And I believe this is a rise to us as believers and say, you know what? We've got to stand up. And we got to be men and women of the Bible and the truth and say, this is what the Word of God says. Keep reading here. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their path. The way of peace they have not known. And there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Now, if you look next, it says sin confessed. I believe one of the things that fasting does in my own life, it brings anything within me of sin to rise up. And you know what? Anytime I have sin in me, I, I want to repent of it. I want to get rid of that stuff. Because if you look at all the things that God said right here, I can't, I can't move because you're sin in your life. Verse number 9. Therefore, justice is far from us. Nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness or gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. 
We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgression and lying against the Lord, and departing from our God, we speak oppression and revolt. We conceive and utter from the heart words of falsehood. Listen. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off. For truth has fallen in the street, and equity or uprightness cannot enter, so truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him. There was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. So you know what this says when he says there was no man, there was no intercessor? God was looking for men and women that would begin to intercede. That would begin to pray on behalf of their nation, on behalf of their society. That's me and you guys. And you can go back and look at history. When you look at Noah guys, God used this one man to warn a whole generation, a whole society. Did any of them heed it? Not really. And I look at Abraham when it came time with what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. God looks for that one. That'll say, you know what, I'm going to pray. I'm going to stand in the gap. And if you remember the story with Abraham and, and Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said to God, would you destroy it if there were 50 righteous? And God said, no. 40, 30, 20. And he kept going up. See, once again, this was why Abraham was defined as a friend of God because he said, you know what, Lord? I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to begin to pray. And all this that we're reading here, guys, remember, it's centered around the fast. When I begin to fast and pray, something begins to happen. And I believe it will. I believe things will go forth if we'll begin to get a hold of this. Now, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Listen to this. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And deep darkness, the people. I don't say this, guys, to put fear on us. But all you got to do is read the Bible and you'll begin to see that darkness will begin to go faster and faster and faster. And he said right here, it'll cover the earth. It'll cover the people. But look what else he says. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And I believe this is what God's wanting to do. That this next year, I believe it'll be one of two things. It'll be a year of oppression or it'll be a year of great victories. I'm going to fall under one of the two. And so you know what? You can live with that heaviness. The darkness is here, guys. 
I mean, I see stuff now that I would never have thought in my lifetime I would have seen. I see things I would have said that will never happen in America. It happens on a daily basis. The bad thing is this. When it doesn't bother me. When I get so used to it, I get so comfort, comfortable with it. Look with me in the book of Ezekiel. Just go to your right a little bit. Ezekiel chapter 16. When you look at all this, guys, humility is the key. Grace always flourishes with humility. And I believe so much of the stuff in our lives, the junk in our lives, is warned about in 1 John chapter 1, verse 16. And it says, this is the way the world is made up. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. But when I come in with the humility and say, you know what? I'm going to begin to fast and pray. It's the discipline of my body with the tendency to humble my soul. Where I begin to say, you know what? This is not going to dominate me. TV's not going to dominate me. The newspaper's not going to dominate me. You know, I know a guy who fasts, and he'll fast for 40 days, and he will not watch any TV, and he will not read a newspaper for 40 days. Bless him. I'm getting there, guys. I'll go certain days and stuff, and you know what? I realize I don't, I don't want to be caught up with what Fox News or CNN or ABC, where, where I listen to all that stuff. I want to hear what God says. And I believe this is one of the ways we usher in the year where we say, okay, Father God, you're going to set the tone for my year. Now, I know there's ones in this room who, who fast for periods of times to start the year. If you've ever fasted to start the year, and you can honestly say, I've seen a huge difference, a huge significance in my life spiritually, just raise your hand. Wow. Wow. Praise the Lord. I just want you to see, guys, there's not a bunch of weird people. I mean, you look at some people and you think fast, and those are some weird folk. They fast? Are you kidding me? No, guys, something happens. Something begins to happen. Now, here's my concern. I look at the state of America. Even more so, I look at the state of the church. And it's scary to me. And you can go back any time in society. And society begins to repeat itself. Now if you've ever studied the, the passages in Sodom and Gomorrah. You'll see some things right here in Ezekiel chapter 16. I want you to begin to read with me. And I'm going to start halfway through this part in verse 47. Look what it says here. You did not walk in their ways, nor act according to their abominations. But if that were too little, you became more corrupt than they in all your ways. Now when I read this, guys, Sodom and Gomorrah had nothing on America. He says, you've, you've, you've outdid them. Verse 48, as I live, says the Lord God, 
Neither your sister Sodom nor her daughters have done as you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the iniquity of the, or the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, an abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor of the needy. So when I read this right here, this is the list of why Sodom and Gomorrah went under destruction. If you look at the very first thing he said, it was pride and arrogance. We may live in the most prideful and arrogant time of ever. I mean, people are so full of pride. You know what a lot of that's based on? Money. I'm better than you because I got money. The second thing, and this is interesting, this was part of the destruction. Look what he said. Fullness of food. Overabundance. Overfed. Do you know that one-third of our society right now is obese? Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. The next thing, thank you. And the next thing he said, an abundance of idleness. They were careless and they were unconcerned. When I see the word idleness, I have to judge my own heart, guys. And I think about this. How many hours do I watch of TV because of idleness? The average American watches between seven and eight hours of TV a day. Now you can either say amen or you can say oh me. I look at the idleness of my time that I can spend watching TV. What benefit is it? I've seen ever MASH rerun 30 times and I'll still watch them. The last one he says is this. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. There's no concern about the poor or the needy. Now listen what the message translation says in all of that. They were proud. They were gluttons. They were lazy. And they ignored the poor. When I read that, you know what that defines? The United States of America. I mean, when I read that, I see that so plain and simple right now. And look what he goes on to say in verse 50. And they were haughty. Woo, we're better than thou. You know, if you go to any other foreign country in the world, you know what most of them will say? We hate Americans. You know why? Because we're so prideful. We have this mentality. We're better than everybody. I love America. But I realize there's got to be some changes. Now, he didn't stop there. And they were haughty. And they committed abominations, wicked sins. How about this? Detestable sexual sins. I look at America right now. You can hardly watch a movie without there being sexual sins on it. And we don't want to call fornication sin. We don't want to call adultery sin. We don't want to call homosexuality sin. 
But once again, what does God say? God defined every one of those as sin. You know what most people say when they get into adultery now? We had an affair. Well, pat yourself on the back. Because you know what God says? It's still sin. It's still sin. And I know some of you may not want to hear this, guys. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to stand up for truth. I don't, want, I don't want these young ones going through life and saying, well, just because this state legalized this, it's okay. It's not okay. I'm either going to live by the book or I'm not. And it's either all true or none of it's true. And so, guys, I'm telling you, I believe this with all my heart. God is raising a standard. Because the sin of Sodom is rampant in our society. And I believe there's going to be some things that will begin to break loose here in a good way. When we begin to heed the things of God. When we repent. When we quit being selfish. When we quit stirring up trouble. That was all what he talked about in Isaiah 58. And I begin to say, okay, Father God. I'm going to target you. I'm going to begin to pray and I'm going to begin to seek God. And you know what I, my prayer is, guys? That there becomes such an anointing in here. That Isaiah 58, verse 6 and 7, where it says, The oppressed will go free. The yokes of bondage will be broken. Oh, man, I'm telling you guys, I'm believing God right now, even in my own life, that we're going to see things unlike any other time. Now, I want you to go one more passage with me. Go back to your left to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. Now I believe this. Heaven marks the people who fill with God for the sins that break His heart and turn His face away from us. God's a just God, guys. God's a God of love. God's a God of forgiveness. But you know what? God will not keep allowing people to live without, without confessing sin. When it starts dominating things, get ready. And so I believe this is part of the fast this year to say, you know what? We're going to believe God. We're going to trust God. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I thank toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. What a promise. And look what this is based on, verse 12. Then you will call upon me. And you will go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your hearts. Now, I believe right here, this is a quest for God that, that includes a, a level of intensity beyond just normal prayer. I believe this is raising the bar, guys. And if you'll look there in verse 13, he uses the word search and the phrase with all your heart. And I, I believe this suggests an earnestness that borders on the line of desperation even. That i got to start searching for God with all my heart. And I believe part of all my heart is this, guys. Not that I just pray, but I begin to fast and pray. And man, when I come in here and pray, I come in here and pray with a purpose. And so I pray today that this begins to stir you up. And some of you take a step of faith and say, you know what? I'm going to stand in the gap for my children. 
I'm going to pray for the next generation. I'm going to fast. I mean, you know, you can go through things with society and you see things that happen and it does either one or two things. It either makes you mad or makes you rise up in your heart and say, I'm going to pray. See, I can sit around all day and bellyache and complain. And it's really good for me to go to things at times, like football games. I went to a couple college football games this year, one here in Lubbock and one in Norman, Oklahoma. You know what I saw in both of them? Slobbering drunks. Masses. When I go into the bathrooms, it smell like whiskey. How do you know that? Because I have a good scent for that. And you know what? One side of me, it made me, makes me angry to think, is this is what we've come to? The other side says, you know what? Let's pray. Let's pray. God loves those people. And I believe so many people in our society, they don't have a, a, a truth of God. But the realities of what's happened in our nations, they're coming forward right now. They're coming forward in our church. It breaks my heart to hear young ones say, I don't want God. I don't need God. Stand on your feet with me today. I don't want you to...